Hey everyone, it's Lacey motherfucking Skulls, and this is episode 12 of the Talk of Love podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I had such a great time with Megan last week, and we have all kinds of incredible guests coming up, and I cannot wait for you to find out who all I have in store for you guys. So um, I gotta say, one thing that's really, really cool about doing the podcast is it gives me the opportunity to get in touch with some of my old castmates I haven't talked to in a really, really long time. And uh, as you guys know, one of my old friends from Rock of Love was Brandy C. And she and I have been talking again lately and just reminiscing about old times. And uh, one thing that you guys are not really gonna ever get to see, but I can tell you about, is uh, a lot of the crazy stuff happens, not just during the filming of Rock of Love and Charm School, but actually when the girls and I go out and do personal appearances uh, after the shows, those are always some crazy times as well. And, and I am here to share those with you. So um, as you guys know, a lot of us, we get invited to do uh, guest appearances at nightclubs and live music venues and places like that. And basically the venues just pay us to come out and either get on the microphone and hype up the crowd or uh, you know, just hang out with the patrons and have drinks and that sort of thing. So um, we did a lot of that shortly after the filming of Rock of Love. Sometimes they'll take uh, a couple of us girls and we'll go out together. And that's how I ended up meeting several of the girls. Uh, I met Brandy, or sorry, I met uh, Destiny and I met Christy Joe, several of the other girls, uh, Farah, just from doing personal appearances and, and things of that nature. So uh, shortly after Rock of Love, Brandy C and I were invited to do a personal appearance in Las Vegas, and I was living in Los Angeles at the time. So uh, Brandy was like, why don't you and I just drive out to Las Vegas together and make it a fun girls trip, and then we'll do the personal appearance. So I'm like, let's do it. So uh, she gets in my car, we're driving, and she says, hey, just so you know, Lacey, I've got a radio interview scheduled, so I'm just going to do it while you're driving the car. And I'm like, yeah, no worries. Yeah, take your time, do whatever you need to do. So I'm driving and uh, she she gets on the phone, she calls into the radio station and she really didn't know what to expect. She didn't know what kind of radio station it was, this was gonna be. She just knew that there was an interview lined up and that was it. So we found out that the there was two DJs and it turns out that this was like, a morning show, your typical like shock jock, you know, douchebag DJ sort of morning show, unfortunately for Brandy C. So she was kind of like walking into a minefield unbeknownst to her. So she's on speakerphone, she's in the passenger seat, I'm driving and uh, she calls in and these guys like, you know, those super douchey morning show guys are like, huh, huh, huh. And now we got Brandy C from Rock of Love. And so as soon as we hear their voices, we're just like, oh God, here we go. So one of the first thing they ask her, they're like, so Brandy C, how many guys have you slept with? I bet you slept with all the guys. And, and they just start in on her like immediately. And poor Brandy C was like completely, Taken off, uh, taken off guard, and she she just kind of stops and she looks at me and she has this look of horror on her face and and so she she just kind of like laughs a little bit. She tries to brush it off and tries to continue. And they're like, "No, I'm sure you've slept with all the guys, haven't you, Brandy C?" And they're just like relentless. So I'm looking at her and I'm horrified too. So I just go, "Give me the phone, give me the phone." So she hands me the phone and I'm like hey, it's Lacey from Rock of Love. And they're like, oh, hey, we got Lacey from Rock of Love. And uh, so they're like, so Lacey, I bet you slept with all the guys too. How many guys have you slept with, Lacey? And I said, probably not as many as the two of you. And they're like, 
Uh, and they just, <laughs> it was like, you know, when the record stops, it just brought them to a grinding halt. And so then they continued like the slut shaming. And I'm like, no, 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 seriously. I, I've slept with a lot of guys. Yes, I'll totally admit that because I'm no shame there. But I definitely, definitely have not slept with as many guys as the two of you. In fact, I think the two of you guys, you guys are, you sleep together, right? Like, come on, tell your viewers on the commercial break. We all know the two of you go down on each other every commercial break, don't you? Just admit it. <laughs> and they were just mortified. It was so great. And uh, next thing I know, they they hung up on us and the, the line was just dead. And I'm looking over at Brandy C and she's laughing so hard. There's tears coming out of her eyes. She's just cracking up. And, uh, and, I, and I will tell you guys that if I were to have that same scenario happen again today, I probably wouldn't wouldn't bash them in the same way, just out of respect for my friends in the gay community. But at the time, this was 10 years ago, I only went that direction because I'm like, well, they're slut shaming her, they're slut shaming me. What is a way that we could slut shame a guy? And if you take a douchebag guy from that mindset, the worst thing that you can do to him is call him gay when he's not. So as I said, I probably wouldn't do a similar joke now having become woke you know, um, with my friends in the gay community, but I will say it definitely shut those two up really freaking quick. So Brandy C, we're just laughing. We are continuing driving. Next thing she knows, she gets a phone call and it's from a number that she doesn't recognize. So she answers the phone and they hang up. And then two seconds later, she gets another call and then her phone starts blowing up and she's like, what's happening? And it's all phone numbers she doesn't recognize. Then she gets a text, text message and the text says, hey, just so you know, uh, the guys on the radio station just gave your phone number out over the air. And we're like, holy shit. So that's how they retaliated. So her phone starts blowing up. I'm like, you know what, girl, just turn your phone off. And she turns it off and we just left it off for the rest of the trip. And a couple days later, it all resolved itself. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good. So yeah, don't mess with my girl, Brandy C. If you're a DJ out there, I'll come and get you. Uh, anyway, it was good times. I've had so many fun times with those girls. But um, anyway, uh, let's get to my guest for today. So as you guys know, I mentioned last week, I'm going to have my girl uh, Farah on. I love Farah so much. Unfortunately, we did try doing an interview with her and she was having a lot of technical uh, issues on her end. So sadly, we are going to have to push her back a week. So she'll be on next time. Uh, however, I have a very, very special surprise for you guys. You're going to flip out when I tell you who today's guest is. One of my favorite, favorite people of all of the Rock of Love shows. Please give a warm welcome to my man, Big John. Hey, Big John, how's it going? It's so good to see you, man. It's been way too long. It's been way, way too long. I got to say, since I've been doing this podcast, um, one of the things that the fans have just over and over again have been saying is you got to bring Big John on. You got to bring on Big John. Like people love you so much. I love you so much. And I'm just like super stoked to have you here. And what's funny also is uh, up until this point, usually what I do is I announce guests a little bit ahead of time, but I really wanted to save you for a surprise for everybody. So I'm sure people are like freaking out right now. <laughs> yeah, you look great, man. You do too. You do too. I've, uh, I've been, I've been trying. Been yeah. A lot of changes. Yeah. There's been a lot of changes. Okay. Well, good. Well then I think we got lots of, uh, 
conversation to get into. I want to hear all about it. So uh, one of the first things I want to know, and I know everybody else will want to know this, is um, how have you been? What have you been up to since the Rock of Love shows? What's your life been like? Uh, give us a whole scoop with that. Well, I still work with Brett, obviously. Um, we're Right now, we're still planning on doing this uh, this summer stadium tour, God, God willing. Um, you know, this coronavirus has really thrown a dent in everything, and we just, we hope everybody's being safe. But um, I'm still with Brett, and I still do his personal assistant work and his security work. Um, but when I'm in my own time, I've actually gotten back into professional wrestling. I've been wrestling now for about th- almost two and a half, three years. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Do you go by Big John when you wrestle? I do. That's I go by Big John. awesome. Do you get recognized uh, a lot from the shows or is that two separate worlds? No, it's uh, basically what I've done is I've become part of an organization called the Five Most Wanted. We're like modern day DX, Degeneration X with, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels and, and Road Dog and all those guys but from back in the day. Um, we, we're a group that we're the, what they call heels. We're the bad guys, and, but we're, everybody loves us. It's, I can relate really, to that. <laughs> we live our gimmick. Sean is a, Sean is like my brother. We've been, I've known him for many, many, many years and we've been through a lot. So we say that we're brothers. Um, he lives his gimmick. He's a two-time center playgirl centerfold model. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm big John. I'm security to the stars. I've worked with Brett Michaels and from rock of love, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Cody Hawk is the, has been certified as a uh, lead trainer for both the WWE Impact TNA. That is NXT. so cool. I would love, love, love to see that. I bet you are such a, a badass and a superstar. I really mm-hmm. want to come see you do that. Get the chance sooner than you think. We have a show. We had a show booked for, uh, I think it was May 20th or March 20th. Okay. At the Wish- and uh, obviously, with all this stuff, it got canceled. But it has been; it's going to be rescheduled in the fall. So we're going to do a wrestling show at the Whiskey. That and, is so uh, cool. That's awesome. Riverside Riverside Auditorium. It's about thirty five hundred, three thousand, four thousand people. So Riverside might be a little. I mean, Whiskey's the Whiskey. It's just a small nostalgia show. We're going to bring in some people, but it's also uh, the the one in Riverside is going to be a lot bigger and a lot more production and everything else. How fun. That is really, really cool. So how soon after uh, Rock of Love did you realize that life is totally different now? Did, did people start coming up to you on the streets? Was it a big change for you? Or were you sort of used to being recognized because you were around bread? Or what was life like for you? What kind of changes after Rock of Love? Yeah, Poison fans and, and 80s music fans from Rat to Warrant, Skid Row and everything— they all knew me. All their fans knew me. Um, but life changed, as, as I'm sure you well know. Um, when the, the night that the first show was on, um, we were in Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, I told Brett, I said, look, I'm going to go into the venue. I'm just going to take a peek at this. And the minute I walked in, it was all eyes on me. Oh, my God, there's Big John. Oh, my God. And I was like, whoa. It's wild, huh? She knows me. This is, and it, you know, it was it was really cool at first. It, it, and throughout the three seasons, you know, you go out to dinner and people are kind of like looking, and you know, they they want your picture. And you, as you well know, I'm sure everybody talks about you. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it it became a different world. I mean, it really did. It was uh, it was one of those things where you wonder as you're talking to people, it's like, God, how many people watch this show? It's one thing that was crazy to me. One thing that was crazy to me is that the, the huge diversity of people who watched, like I had everyone from like 
kids that were way too young that were like, Lacey, I'm your, I'm like, your mother should not be letting you watch this. And I remember I had, um, one time I was going to, um, walking into a restaurant and this old, old lady, like grandma old, like probably in her late seventies, she was like, are you Lacey from Rock of Love? And I was like, yes. And I looked at it was like someone's grandma. And she's like, you're a badass bitch. You go, girl. And I was like, oh my God, that is so awesome. <laughs> but it's like every type of person and everyone in between. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was the same thing. I mean, you get, you get little kids that are eight, nine, 10, 12, and they're like, oh my God, look, mom, there's Big John. And I'm like, what are you doing watching this show? <laughs> yes. No, exactly. it's, it's, it still goes it still goes to that extreme where kids are coming to Brett shows and poison shows and they're 17, 18, 19, and they're like, oh look, there's Big John, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that means you were like six when this was yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild, right? It's cool though, because I think because the show has continued to stream and you know, Netflix and Hulu and all that, I think that it's creating new fans. So, you know, the, the original fans are are starting to kind of get grown up, but then there's brand new fans that, that are watching it for the first time now, which is really kind of cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can always tell when it's, when it's run, uh, they're doing the, uh, the marathons or whatever, because people yep. start looking. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it's cool. I, I mean, I dig it. Nice. It's a, it's a side of the, the business that I never thought that I'd be lucky enough to see. And I did. So Awesome. That's so cool. So let's go back in time a little bit. And can you tell everybody how this all started pre-Rock of Love? Like, how did you and Brett end up getting linked up? What was your relationship and your friendship like prior to Rock of Love? So kind of walk us through like when you and Brett first met, how that happened, and then what was your life after that up until Rock of Love? Well, I met Brett in 1990, I think it was 98 or 99. Um, I was on tour with Rat, and I was handling all their personal security and, and personal assistant and uh, assistant tour manager work. Uh, first gig, so I was learning everything. And uh, the guys in Rat had me blowing up these giant beer can looking things that said Rat and Roll on. (laughs) And we think in Cincinnati, ironically, I think we were in Cincinnati one day and Brett comes riding up on a bike and the winds were so strong and everything, I couldn't get the thing going and get it upright. Brett actually got off his bike, gave me a hand, got it upright. And um, that was the first time that we had crossed paths. And I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. The lead singer of a band is actually out here helping me. That's so awesome. And, well, I'll say this. If anybody knows how to get it up, it's definitely Brett. <laughs> well, I, <don't> know <laughs> I had to. <laughs> um, That's awesome, no. though. How cool. You're like, holy shit, the singer of Poison is helping me with this thing. It's kind of surreal because, you know, it just it just go to sh- went to show me how much he puts into presentation you know what i mean so and he even though rat was opening and co- and co-headlining he didn't want anyone to not look their absolute best so he he got out there and he helped me with the things even though they were pain in the ass he, uh he really helped me and we got the things up and going and we, we had crossed paths a few times throughout that tour and then uh the following year i get a phone call from their management and said uh Hey, you know, the guys in Poison want to know if you'd like to work with them. And I was like, without a doubt, I was, send me a ticket. Wow. Um, that's so cool. I, great. Because I had, I had interacted with so many people in that camp and, and I really uh, got along with a lot of them and um, learned a lot from them too. So that year, and I think it was in 2000, 99 or two, no, it was 2000. Um, I started working with Poison, started working with Ricky Rock at the drummer. I was his 
PA, personal assistant. And um, throughout the years, to, to, up through 2002, when I went on tour with Saliva, I worked with Ricky. And then when I came back, I stayed with Ricky for a while. Brett gave me the opportunity on his first solo tour. I believe that was 2005, 2004. Um, I may be, bear, don't quote me on those dates or those years. Um, but he was like, look, I'm, I'm going to start this solo career and I'd really like you to be part of it. You can handle some of the tour manager responsibilities, et cetera. And um, so I jumped and went with Brett, which wasn't exactly fair to Ricky. And we've discussed that since and made amends. Uh, I love Ricky to death. But um, uh, so ever since then, from the beginning of his solo tour, we continued to work together. We got closer and closer and closer. And then uh, VH1... Uh, executives approached Brett and said, Hey, we were considering this reality show, dating reality show, et cetera. And um, as Brett continued on with negotiations and talks, he told them, he said, hold on, stop before anything goes further. I'm not doing the show without John. That's awesome. He's got real loyalty. Yeah, it was amazing. They could, and he's like, look, you put anybody in there and there's not going to be a chemistry, but John and I have a chemistry. We work together. We, we know each other. John knows the way I think. I know the way John thinks, and, and I trust him. And lo and behold, it, it all came together to where they had approached me and asked me to do it. And, of course, I was I was kind of excited. I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. That's so, so awesome. Well, you're perfect, too, because not only do you and Brett have that loyalty towards one another, and you both know each other so well— but also you naturally have a huge personality and you are perfect for television. You really, really are. I mean, it just, it couldn't have worked out better, you know? So perfect. I, I don't know how you felt, uh, but in the beginning, I saw a lot of people getting nervous because the cameras were on them. Never bothered me. It never bothered me. bothered me a bit. I think because um, I had been doing bands and tours, you know, way before... Rock of Love, and I know you have too. So I think there's something to be said, like being used to having this kind of crazy chaos around you at all times and still having to maintain your um, professionalism and, you know, that sort of thing. So that might be the difference, I think. I thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it wasn't so foreign to you and I and some of the other others who are used to that kind of lifestyle. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about... Um, the relationship between you and I on Rock of Love. I was your favorite. I was America's sweetheart, right? I was I was your all-time favorite, right? Well, <laughs> no, I'm surprised you didn't kill me. And I and thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> 100% despised you on the show. <laughs> well, you weren't the only one who despised me. So. <laughs> I confess that now because I know you. Um I there was there were times that I would sit in that back room with uh with Brett in his, in his room or in his office. And I would, I'd say, dude, you got to get rid of her. She's driving everyone nuts. She's causing chaos. And he's like, no, I'm not getting rid of her. He's like, I like her. She's cool. And if the girls can't deal with that kind of stress, how are they going to deal with anything else? That's a good and point. So amazing because once I got to know you after the fact, after we finished filming and after the show was over with, you had me completely bamboozled because I was like, <laughs> not who I thought you were. Well, it's funny. I love you and I would do anything for you now. Oh, thank you, Big John. You're so sweet. Well, it's funny because I was talking to you on the phone the other night and one of the things I'd mentioned to you uh, 
is I wish at that time I was aware of wrestling and the term heel. Because had I been aware of that term, I could have just come to you and been like, hey, Big John, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm basically the heel of the show. And I think you would have I would have gotten it. Yeah, you totally would have gotten it. But but it's like I said to you the other night, I'm kind of glad you didn't. Because even if if I would have found that out, then I think it would have taken away from our interaction. Probably so. That was good. There were times when I just had this, uh, my blood was boiling. (laughs) I will tell you this, Big John, there are not very many people in the world who intimidate me. There's very, very few people who do. But there was a couple of moments where you actually did intimidate me and I had to like keep it to myself, you know? But I remember there was one, There, I can't remember what the, context was, but there was one moment on the show where you were just, you had just had it with me and you were so irritated and so annoyed and you just went off on me and you were like really fucking angry and you were just going off on me. And I remember like sitting there like, oh my God, I'm kind of scared right now, but I can't let anybody know. And I don't know what to do right now. And I think I just like kind of sat there and took it, you know? So also- I'm sorry now. (laughs) No, you don't have to be sorry. It was great television. And here's the thing. I couldn't do to you what I did to the other girls because you were Brett's right-hand man. You would have gone straight to him, you know? And so I had to treat you with a different sort of respect, even while I was in like, you know, villain Lacey character mode. And the funny thing is, you know, Brett probably was like super confused because when I was with Brett, that's... That's the moments where I really sort of was more myself, my authentic yeah. self. Because I will say, I really did like Brett. I did not like him in a romantic sense, but as like sure. a, as a person and as a dude and as a friend, I'm like, this guy is so cool and so kind and so sweet and so funny. He's definitely the real deal. And I really, really liked him as a, as a human being. So my interactions with him, he got to see real Lacey quite a bit. And then, you know, he's hearing horror stories from these girls. Yeah. And so yes. I'm sure he was just like, and you know, I had, had no idea. Like, what are you talking about? She's not like that. Then it, I, I think near the end, he started to understand. And I was like, I, like I was getting, I had many a drinks <laughs> because of you. <laughs> Lay it on me. <laughs> I already like where this is going. Yeah. So go ahead. You said you had many a drinks and what happened? Oh, no, I had many a drinks because of you. Like oh. at the end, it's like, each night uh, we would get done filming, I would disappear, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I'm I'm having some drinks. Leave me alone. I mean, even producers were like, where the hell's John? I'm like, I'll be back whenever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry for driving you that crazy, but I'm glad we're friends now. And I, th- I feel like we became friends pretty quickly after Rock of Love uh, first aired. It was pretty soon after that. I'm trying to remember where we first met outside of the show. Do you remember? Still, actually, the first time that we actually really interacted was when I had my birthday party at the Roxy. Yes, that's right. That's right. I went to that. Yeah. And and I was actually really appreciative that you gave me a chance to be me outside of the show. You know, you could have been like, get this bitch out of here. But you you were cool. You up and you tapped me and I turned around and I'm thinking, oh, shit. <laughs> Literally, it was like we clicked and we started talking. And then the next thing you know, we were filming sec- season two. And there you were. And I was like, oh, cool. Lacey's coming. Oh, cool. You know, I mean, at that point, it was like, I, I knew the real you. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. When you, um, yeah. Do you remember us seeing each other at, um, Brett Michaels did a performance at um, a tattoo convention in Rhode Island. Do you remember that? 
And it was, I think Godsmack was on the bill, Brett Michaels band. And I showed up. What's that? I don't remember that. It was, it was funny because there was, everybody got wasted. I remember, but it was a giant concert in Rhode Island. And, uh, and it was a, it was a big tattoo convention slash rock concert. And so afterwards, uh, I ended up going back to this hotel room that was like a big party. There was like 40 people like crammed into this tiny hotel room. And there was a guy that was tattooing people and totally like not the right environment for doing tattoos, but he was tattooing people. Everybody in there was wasted, myself included. And, uh, and I was like, I want to tattoo people. And he was like, okay. And he hands me the tattoo gun. Now I will tell you, I can barely even draw a stick man. And do you remember that? Yeah. So I start tattooing people. And I remember I gave everybody a disclaimer. I'm like, just so you know, I've never tattooed in my life. You're going to have to get this covered up. It's going to suck and be awful. I was doing like smiley faces on people. And like, and I remember, uh, Brett's guitar player, uh, uh, Pete Evick walked in, but you oh. walked in and I was wasted. I had a tattoo gun. I had my little you know, gloves on and I'm like tattooing someone's arm and you walk in. I'm like, hey, Big John. And you just took one look at me and you're like, oh God. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> it was brilliant. It was, it was like priceless. Your reaction was priceless. You just saw me with a tattoo gun. You're like, oh, God damn it. What's happening? <laughs> exactly. Good times. So um, what would you say which of the three Rock of Love seasons was your personal favorite and why? I love the first and second, but I think the third was my favorite. And I'll tell you why. It's because they were in our world. They, they got to experience life on a bus. They got to experience the chaos that happens. You know, we had everything from smooth days to buses breaking down to, to everything else. They got to experience what we experience every single day. And a lot of those girls could not handle it. And it, it, it was almost like self-elimination. They knew that they couldn't handle it. So they, they, stayed, uh, they stayed drunk and they stayed, they partied and they got their mind off of uh, the chaos of the road and kind of self-eliminated, if you will. Mm, yeah. People don't understand how challenging it is. I mean, being away from home for that long, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of partying and that sort of thing, but it definitely takes a toll on you physically and psychologically. And you're stuck on this yeah. bus, you know, with 12 other people that you really can't get away from. So it's like, you better get along and you better like the smell of each other's farts. <laughs> Otherwise you're in trouble. Exactly. I mean, you know, everybody, I've had friends and I've had people that we've hired um, working with Brett and other people who they're like, oh God, I got a job in the music business. It's going to be great. And they've lasted a couple of days to a week. And it's like, you're not cut out for this. It's yeah. just, it's not work. Absolutely. You know, this, it, it takes a very special person to be able to tour year round um, for so many years, as you know, and, and the members of your band know that, you know, it, you, you either commit to it or go home because you can't half-ass it in this business. You're totally right. You're totally right. So let me ask you this. I heard a rumor and I'd like to know if it's true. Uh, did you ever date any of the girls on Rock of Love? Oh God! Yes, I did. I, did. I had a relationship with Corey Hutchinson. I think her name's still Hutchinson. I don't know. I don't talk to her anymore. She was on season three. She was on season two. On season two. Yeah, she was the one. If you remember, they were doing that little talent show kind of thing behind the glass, and she held up the sign said "Marry Me." Only it was M E R R Y, like Mary Christmas. <laughs> 
That's good at all. I think she's perfect. That's amazing. Merry Christmas, me. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, we stayed for a few months and uh, things didn't go, they didn't go extremely bad, but they, they it was based on drinking and I'll get into that in a few minutes. And there was a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs and, and it just, it, it went south very fast. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That sucks. I'm not. <laughs> hey, we're, yeah, we're better off now, I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so that was um, obviously, was that after uh, Rock of Love bus or was that right after season two? That was after the second season. Um, we is when we were dating. I took a few, you know, I, we were still on the road. Brett and I were touring with the solo band and I would take off and go to Atlanta. She was from Atlanta. So I'd go to Atlanta on, you know, a couple of days off or whatever. And we'd interact and it was just, it was bad all the way around. I mean, it was just drinking and drinking and drinking and it just, it never culminated into anything. And it was better to just, although she did get my dog. She got your dog? Kept my dog. Oh. So, oh my, you want me to go find her and get your dog back? Yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> gone by now, by age. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about post Rock of Love. So after the shows got done, um, did you maintain a relationship, uh, working or friendship relationship with Brett? What was life like for you afterwards? Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Like I said, I've been, I've been with Brett since 2000. Um, it wasn't just for the shows. It's, it's a lifelong commitment. I mean, he is one of my best friends. Um, I continue to work with him to this day. I'm out at his house in Los Angeles and Scottsdale, Arizona constantly. Um, and like I said, we're, we've been planning on the summer solo tour, but we also, during this, uh, during this um, quarantine time, we took a lot of time and worked on his house and did a lot of uh, do-it-yourself videos and stuff. So it was pretty cool. That's so but, awesome that you and he have had this friendship for so many years and you guys are still so solid and you guys have seen it all. We actually talked about that and there's a reason. Um, yes, I stayed with him until 2010. In 2010, I had met my now ex-wife, but uh, I'm Salt Lake City from um, Nashville. I had I had to disappear because the um, the I guess you would call it the limelight or the celebrity or whatever was taking its toll. I was my dad died in two thousand nine and we were really close. Oh, so I, I'm so I, sorry. Thank you. Oh God, that's I've lost a parent too. You and I talked about this a little bit the other night. Um, I lost my mom to suicide at the end of two thousand four, and it is the worst to lose a parent. It's so so devastating and so traumatic, and I'm, I'm so sorry that you went through that. Um, and so that happened in 2009, you said? In 2009. And luckily it was one of those progressive deaths. I mean, we had time to, he had cancer. So we had time to make amends for anything that ever went wrong and, and say our father, son speeches and everything else. So it ended on a very good note. Oh, um, that's good. I'm so sorry. He died. He died in my arms. Oh God. CPR, which really took a toll on me because I never believed in PTSD, never. And uh, when he was in my arms and I was doing CPR on him, something happened to me and it made oh. me remember some stuff that happened in the Marine Corps, which caused me to spiral even more. And I went into a very, between 2009 and 2010, I was drinking nonstop. I mean, it was like a half a gallon of Jim Beam a day, not to mention the beer and everything else. That was a minimum. And uh, the guys in the band started to notice uh, Brett's cousin, Bob, who you met. 
um, started to notice. And uh, Bob went to Brett and he said, look, we got a problem and, you know, we need to address this because John and it was it was all out of love. It wasn't out of job or anything like that. He's like, John's short circuiting and we need to figure out what's going on. I'm sure they so, saw the correlation between your father passing and you having to witness um, him getting CPR I, and, and then the drinking. Brett knows it now because his father, God rest his soul, just recently passed. He's, he, I know, and I watched him go through the same emotions that I went through. And I told him, I said, whatever you do, just deal with it. Don't do what I did. You know what I mean? That's the kind of relationship Brett and I have. He's He teaches me things and things that I've been through, I can help him with. You know what I mean? And the same with all the guys in Poison, you know? So, yeah, you guys uh, really have a brotherly love. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're one big dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, long story short, I, it got really, really bad, the drinking and everything. I moved to Salt Lake City to try to disappear because in Nashville, everybody meets at the bar to start their meetings. And it just it just spiraled out of control. So I figured I'd go to Salt Lake and it, everything would be fixed. Um, May 28th of 2010, I sat in a, uh, in a closet at three in the morning, blacked out with a pistol in my mouth. And I said, okay, dad, you got 24 hours to show me why I need to be here. Cause if not, I'm, I'm ending it. I'm done. Oh my God, John. Oh my God. I'm hey, so God. glad that that, I'm so glad that you're with us. That, oh, that's heart, heart wrenching. There is nothing worse than being an I, I, I do my best now to try to help veterans and stuff that are in these situations. There's nothing worse than being in a hole when you can't get out of. Oh my God. I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm not actually. It, it made me a better person. It really did. And I, I don't think that I could help people nowadays having not gone through it, if wow. that makes sense. Um, so how I did you get out? How'd you get to the other side? I met my wife, my now ex-wife, Leilani. Um, I continued to drink for a couple months. And then she she basically, it got to a point one night where uh, things went really, really bad. And the next morning, <laughs> the next morning, they bailed me out of jail. Oh. And I her and I told her, and I said, look, I will never drink again. Just please don't leave me. Oh. And I made that promise, and uh, I've stuck to it. Good for and, you. Uh, we, obviously, our marriage, you know, went through other struggles and caused us to get divorced. But um, without her, I don't think it would have happened. So I got to give her credit there. You know, she she saved my life, and I, I thank her for that. And I don't talk to her anymore, but maybe someday she'll see this and she'll know that I still appreciate what she did for me. Oh, well, that's very kind of you to say and compassionate, given the fact that she's your ex now. But um, and it sounds like. You were telling me the other night too that the the guys and um, Poison and Brett really had your back too, and you're going through some health scares. Well, Brett Brett had um, Brett had talked to me prior to me quitting drinking, and he said, "Look, job be damned. You're always going to have a job with me." He goes, "But I'm really worried about you." He goes, "I've seen a lot in this business, and I've seen a lot in my life." And he goes, "If you don't stop drinking, you're going to die. There's no sugarcoating it. You're going to die." Wow. And I thought, "Oh, I got it under control. I got it under control." Yeah, I did. <laughs> wow. So I learned the hard way. And uh, so, yeah, then since then, I moved to Hawaii, uh, which was the most, the greatest thing that I could have ever done because I did disappear, moved to a private island called Lanai. Oh, nice. Only three, 
two, 3,000 people live on the island. So there was no, oh my God, you're Big John. Oh my God, it's, you're John and that's it. And, you know, we're going to teach you Hawaiian culture and customs and you're part of our ohana now. That is so yeah. cool. Uh, Hawaii is beautiful. My husband and I went there on our honeymoon. It's just gorgeous. I can't wait to go back. I really want to move back, but right now they're not letting anybody come back because of this situation with health. And, uh, you know, I, I had, it was weird. Like I had a couple of heart attacks and oh. I have a pacemaker now. And I was, they were about four years ago, three or four years ago, they were actually talking about a heart transplant. And uh, Ricky Rocket came to the rescue of all people. He, he and Brandon Gibbs uh, from Devil City, Devil City Angels, they all got together and they did this benefit and they raised like 10 grand for me in case I had to have a, a, uh, a heart transplant so I would have money to sustain life the way it is. That's amazing. And money is still in the bank, hasn't been touched. And I told them, I said, you can't have a benefit. I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> like it's too soon for that, guys. That's really cool. You know, Ricky is such a good dude. I actually met him um, outside of Rock of Love uh, because as you know, I'm a really big advocate for animals and I had a dog rescue organization for many, many years. And Ricky is really into saving animals and uh, and rescuing dogs and that sort of thing. So I've actually met him a number of times outside um, having to do with like animal related events um, or dog rescue related events. And I actually have a photo somewhere, I'll have to post it on Instagram. I have a photo of me, Ricky Rocket, and Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, all together. And I'm like, that is the most iconic photo ever. But he's such a good dude and so compassionate. And it makes sense that, that he would do that for you. But you know what? Thank God you had that support system around you while you're going through this. I mean, some people that are going through trauma, and whether it's health or the death of a loved one or a breakup, and they don't have that support system, I mean, that can really make all the difference. It can make yeah. or break you. So thank God you had such good people around you to help you through it that had your best interest at heart. You really find out who your true friends are when uh, you go through something like that. And, you know, I found out one thing. When I quit drinking, I think two-thirds of my friend list disappeared. Really? Because I was, oh, yeah, no, the, the, the true friends, the true friends show up. Uh, they're the ones that say, hey, if you need help, I'm here for you. You know, I told you so, but I'm still going to be here. You pissed me off. You've done a lot of, you know, I, I was never, I, I've never, um, I'm not going to say never. Um, I, I don't go to regular AA meetings. I've gone to a couple of them just, just to see what they were like. Um, but I do understand a few things that they go through. Uh, by sitting there and having gone through it myself so I can understand how the program works. I just got lucky enough that I had enough support through friends and family and everything else that when I quit, it was over, you know, and and I didn't have to reach out to others. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm really happy that you made it through and you live such a, a colorful, full, well-rounded life. I mean, from you know, being the doing security for poison to going on rock of love to doing wrestling and you know, you've been through traumas, but you've overcome them. And um, you know, I think one thing that maybe not a lot of people know about you is that you were involved in the uh in the military or in the army, is that correct? The Marine Corps. The Marine Corps. In the Marines. And uh yeah, we I did uh the first Gulf War, uh was over there and then went over to Somalia, and then while we were in Somalia Ironically, the uh, founder of the Wounded Warrior Project and the executive vice president, John Roberts and John Malia, were uh, in the same unit. So we were doing helicopter training one day. One of the helicopters blew up 
we all jumped in the water off of a off of a navy ship to uh, to save them and set up a, wow. what they call a triage unit. And I thought that they had died. And uh, it turns out, twenty years later, Rick Allen, the drummer of Def Leppard, reunites me with both of them. Um, ah. More John Roberts than anything. I'm on the phone with this guy, and Rick Allen was like, "Hey, you've been you know we were out on tour with Def Leppard." And he's like, "You really helped me with some of these. I think you could be beneficial. Why don't you talk to this guy?" And I'm on the phone with him, and. Uh, He's like, <laughs> we were talking and I said, yeah, I was in the Marines and I was with this and this. And he goes, wait a minute, when were you in the Marines? And I said, you know, 89 to 95. And he goes, uh, what unit were you with? And I told him and he said, dickhead. He goes, this is Sergeant Roberts. And I immediately started crying because I oh thought that he had died. And uh, he was in my, my direct unit. And uh, I thought he died. Immediately got medevaced to Germany and within seconds he and i both were on the phone with rick going you're not going to believe this and rick is rick tells this story today like it's the greatest story and uh because of that we've all the three of us have gotten very very close and uh i i love rick to death and uh we do the monsters of rock cruises every year and i hang out with rick and i handle his personal assistant work while he's on there because he's uh he's on there showcasing his artwork so i gotta stick around him because he gets swarmed with people but um, it's it's what a it's, small world. That's so wild. Friendships have been uh, created because of this music business. That's amazing. That's amazing. I actually had heard of the Wounded Warriors project. Um, I was familiar with them uh, already, but hearing you talk about it reminded me um, what a great organization they are. Can you tell everybody a little bit about them? And I'm gonna. Um, Put the website address at the bottom of the uh, screen here, so everybody can go check it out for themselves. But um, but tell everybody a little bit about Wounded Warriors and what they do. Warrior Project is basically an organization that was started uh, to as a small organization to help vets returning from war, whether they be amputees, PTSD, um, mental health, TBI, traumatic brain injury. And what they do is they not only support the veterans, but they support their families. And they do everything from from rehabilitation to general overhauls of life to learn um, how to live again. You know, they they reindoctrinate veterans and wartime veterans back into civilian life. And there's a lot of things that vets go through when they come home that a lot of people will never understand except for veterans. And the Wounded Warrior Project is there to assist with financial needs, education, mental health, physical health, um, and an overall reindoctrination into the world. So that's really amazing because I will say my own personal thoughts on all of this. I used to get and still do get furious about it because I would always see uh, bumper stickers on the back of people's cars that would say "Support the troops" with their bumper stickers, but in reality. Uh, veterans are treated like absolute shit. They are not taken care of at all. They they definitely get the raw end of the deal. They risk their lives. They you know um, have their family worry about them. They see all kinds of trauma. A lot of times they're injured severely themselves, if not killed. And um, and then they come back and they have no financial support. They have no mental health support. A lot of times no. Uh, help for any kind of physical problems that they've in, in, encountered because of serving. And it is disgraceful. It is disgraceful. And I will say, I think that this country does a lot of things right. And I I love this country, but there are definitely improvements 
that could make this country even better. And one of those improvements that has got to happen is we've got to treat the vets better than we do because it is disgraceful how they just don't take care of them afterwards. Oh yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it has gotten somewhat better because of organizations like the Wounded Warrior Project and Canines for Warriors, which is located out of Florida. They get they specifically go out and find veterans that can and do use service dogs, and they provide them with service dogs. So it, it, there, there's organizations out there that really, really do good. And I gotta say, the VA has come 180 degrees. I mean, all of my heart problems and everything that I've gone through, they have been there. They kept me alive. I mean, I literally died twice and they they continued to work with me. They never gave up. And I got to tell you, I feel like I'm 30 years old again. That's good to hear. Done. Um, That's good to hear because I'm used to hearing horror stories. So it's nice to hear there are some success stories. Stories, but there's a lot of good that comes out of them too. Um, I went through something called CP. CPT, cognitive processing therapy, well after Rock of Love. Um, and what it does is, like I said, I never believed in PTSD until I held my dad in my arms. And I went through this thing called cognitive processing therapy where everything that I had buried and everything that I had suppressed all came back to me at once, which is one of the reasons I was drinking a lot. I was with it, doing what they call self-medicating. I had to drink to the point of blacking out every night uh, just so I could sleep. And... Uh, the actual founder of the home tele home tele mental health program. Her name is Kate Shard. She is located here in Cincinnati. So I went through this in Hawaii and what they do is they send you an iPad and you go, you meet a counselor on the iPad every day because there's a lot of vets that won't come out into regular, the regular world. They're traumatized and they're afraid to be around people. And uh, the minute I got back to Cincinnati and I was continuing my counseling, I spoke with my my therapist and I said, you know, Kate's here. And she's like, do you want to meet her? So I met Kate and I just started bawling. I was bawling. I was like, you saved my life. You have no idea what you did. She started crying because it was just one of those things that it's good for her to be recognized and hear the, the good that she's created every once in a while. Absolutely. People want to know that what they're doing, um, that people appreciate them. That always feels good. So, well, Big John, you're so amazing. Um, to end on a, on, a, on a more positive note, if you could do Rock of Love all over again, would you? And if you had the opportunity to do another similar reality show, would you go back on TV again? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, I would do it 100% because um, we've met, I met some amazing people. I've kept in touch with a lot of people like yourself. Met some amazing people, and you know, uh, you're about uh, Farah and everybody. Farah's going to be Farrah. on your show. I've heard of death. I don't really talk to a lot of the girls. You and Farah are probably the only two that I speak to anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, well, I, I love you so much, Big John, and I appreciate you for coming on here and, and being raw and being real. And, you know, there was a few years that we weren't talking to each other, not because of any particular reason, but you were doing your thing, I was doing my thing, but I'm, I'm glad to have you back in my life. You are so important to me. I love you. I think you're an amazing human being, and I really appreciate you for coming on to Talk of Love. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you as well, and congratulations on getting married. Thank you. And, uh, Please check me out on Facebook.com. It's just simply John Murray. Or you can go to Future Great Wrestling uh, on Facebook as well. And you can see all catch up on all of our wrestling shows. So Awesome. You know, I'll be there for that. <laughs> Absolutely, Lacey. Well, right, thank you. you. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. No problem. You got it, Big Johnny. You're welcome back anytime you want.
Right on. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Take care now. Wow, that was such an amazing interview. I am so grateful to Big John for coming on and sharing all of his stories. He's such a great, great person. I love that man so much. Um, Anyway, if you guys enjoyed that as much as I did and you wanna keep seeing these, make sure that you go to the Talk of Love YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button. Also, please give this video a thumbs up. And uh, if you guys are bored and you've got a lot of downtime because of the lockdown, please come join me on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash talkoflove, I have all kinds of cool stuff for you guys where we can interact with each other. You can look at all the different tier groups and uh, there's options where you can do Skype conversations with me. You can uh, do an Ask Me Anything in AMA where you ask me three questions, whatever you want. I'll make a video for you and send it back to you. I've got video shout outs for you guys. I got happy birthdays for you guys. I've got... Uh, interactions via Instagram. I got all kinds of options. Just go to Patreon and check it out. And all of the money that comes in goes directly to paying the production costs for the Talk of Love podcast. So I appreciate all of you guys who join me on there. Um, Anyway, I'm going to see you next time. Uh, We've got Farah coming up. We're going to work out the technical glitches with her. So we'll be bringing her on to Talk of Love either next episode or the episode after that. We will see But another person that I'm bringing on that you guys are going to be so excited about because I know that I am the winner of season two, Rock of Love, Amber Lake is going to be on as well. Yay, I'm so excited. Amber is amazing. Anyway, thank you guys so much for your continued loyalty. I love you guys so much. And we will see you next Monday. And don't threaten me with a good time. (laughs) Bye, guys.